0: your passion and your talent. And most of us stop there. That's what we learned in school. That's our experience. You know, I was mad that we weren't teaching kids about money in school. That was my passion. It was actually anger, plus my talent, years of an accounting degree and my publishing background. But in order to truly create success in your life, the next one is times A and association, the power of association, Mm -hmm. having the right mentor having the right people on your team, having the right um, affiliations that are going to help you get to the next level. Times A, taking action. Too many times we know what we're supposed to do, we just don't do it. (laughs) And then the final element is plus F, and that's for faith, having faith in yourself, having faith in what you're doing that it's needed and necessary, having faith that you will
1: succeed. Hello, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Burney, and together we will be stepping into our highest potential, exploring all things mind, body, and soul with just a smidge of business. You're a spiritual badass, soulpreneur, and a warrior for change. You're ready to expand your impact and leave your old self behind in order to raise your vibration so that you can positively influence your business, your community, and ultimately, the world. Without further ado, let's dive right into it.
2: Welcome back Becoming the Big Me podcast. I have with me today Sharon Lecter, and I'm so excited to share with you Sharon's story. And if you haven't heard of Sharon, you have at least heard of Sharon's work. She did work with um, the Napoleon Hill Foundation. She annotated Outwitting the Devil. She also authored The Think and Grow Witch for Women. And she also did a lot of work with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that whole series, which was actually where I first got my toes dipped into the personal development world. My mom had me listening to all of those audiobooks. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that Sharon actually started out as a CPA, and that's where her work truly began. So welcome to the show, Sharon. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you. I'm so delighted as well. So let's just dive into the beginning. Um, you kind of got your jump from the, from actually the talking books right that was before the rich dad poor dad was it so i'd love to hear about that
0: sure i think i have one on my desk actually it was a time it was back in 1987 when kids didn't like to read and we had three children and i said we need to do something and a friend of ours was the inventor of the first talking children's book And it was, you know, today it might not look that special, but back then kids did not have anything electronic. They didn't have screens. So this was a big deal. It made, you know, made noise and um, it got them excited about reading again. And so we launched that. And I learned a lot about publishing, a lot about manufacturing, dealing with international orders, as well as the power of association. Because we had this new technology, we didn't know if parents would trust us, and so we aligned with Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street, Marvel Comics, and by making that brand association, we had instant trust. So we went from one million—we thought it was pretty cool—to have a million in sales the first year to nine to twenty-three million in fourth year on track for fifty-two million when we sold the company, and so it was just an incredible learning experience, and all along the way, just understanding the power of of scalability and through brand association.
2: So I'm curious, what kind of led you down that avenue to do the, the talking books? Is that something you had a passion for? Do you just have the idea? Or how did that seed get sown?
0: Well, my husband is an intellectual property attorney. And actually, um, the, the creator of the talking books, Zeb Billings, was a friend of ours. We, he and I both served on the American Cancer Society board. So we were friends. And I had many, many years of experience in building companies and getting through public accounting, getting inside companies and seeing how companies did things right, and a lot of seeing how companies didn't do things right. Mm -hmm. And so um, my husband worked with Zeb to get the patent for the the actual technology in, in the book, but I um, started joining forces with them to help him learn how to scale and be able to you know, internally finance it and be able to um, fulfill the huge increases in orders that we had. So it was a, a tremendous opportunity. Plus I was passionate about it because I wanted kids to, to get back into reading.
2: One thing that I love that you mentioned is just learning about the power of association. And that's something that you've done an amazing job Throughout your entire career is aligning yourself with the right people. Um, that's one of one of the reasons why it's so exciting to speak with you because you are one of the the OGs, I would say, in in this space. And you have done that not by self promotion, not through putting it on you, but through finding the right partnerships and helping others. Like your partnership with Rich Dad, Poor Dad Most people have heard of Robert, but you are a huge part of that. So how do you, Sharon, uh, go about like finding the right people to align with? How do you go about choosing your associations?
0: Well, you have to have an aligned mission. And it's, you know, you can have a celebrity brand or a mission brand, and I've always been firmly planted in a mission brand. And so you want to say, how can I make the greatest impact? And if you align with people that are already in that space, it allows you to reach people much more quickly. And um, again, Robert had this idea for a game. He didn't know what to do about it. And he found my husband, who was a well-known intellectual property attorney, and asked his advice. And Mike introduced us. And it was the same message I was teaching about financial education um, and understanding the power of buying, building, and creating assets, passive income. And so I was to re- we were very in tune with our messaging. And with my background and my experience, I was able to help him commercial- commercialize the game And in fact, he told me he wanted to charge $200 for it. I said, that's pretty pricey for a board game. We're talking 1996. (laughs) And so I recommended um, he write a brochure. And that's when he asked me to become his partner. And we launched Cashflow Technologies. And that brochure for the board game was a little book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad right? And um, we never expected it to take on a life of its own. We never expected to write 15 books together over the 10 years that we worked together. But that's exactly what happened. We became a publishing, multiple games, multiple books, and a whole new series called Rich Dad Advisors. And we were partners, and I was the CEO, and I helped to really drive the global expansion of the brand. And um, doing it a little differently than I've been in the talking books. Because when you align with Disney and Warner Brothers, you have to write really big royalty checks. And I said, this time I want to build the brand that other people want to align with. And so that's what we did. We built the integrity of the Rich Dad brand, and then Warner Books came to us, Time Life related to infomercials, a coaching company. So we were able to leverage and we were able to receive royalty checks, which is a much better plan, but um, it allowed us to impact and reach so many more people so quickly around the world and over well over 100 countries, well over 50 languages. Um, And so it was just a huge viral success before the internet and before Amazon, believe it or not. And uh, you're so young, you probably don't remember those days, but uh, it was the old, old fashioned thing of mouth, you know, people telling viral marketing by people telling other people around it and it allowed us to, to get the book into hands around the world.
2: Yeah. And one thing I'd like to touch on that is you've always been, you've always aligned yourself with projects that have allowed yourself to be an early adapter you did that with the talking books, but then you did it again with Rich Dad, Poor Dad as well, because that wasn't just a game and it wasn't just a book as well. It turned into an entire universe where you had all of the audio books, all of the training sessions that came out from that as well. And and that was before that was really a big thing. People weren't doing that in, in that time frame. So what What guided you to kind of put yourself out there in that way and to take the company in that direction?
0: Well, you know, you want to serve people the way they want to be served. People learn differently. People learn by reading. They learn by listening. They learn by physically participating. And so if you truly want to make an impact, you want to make sure that you're delivering your message in a way that people will hear it and receive it best. And that's really how we started going into all those disciplines. And then having the infomercial taking advantage of the airwaves, people watching TV, and then Having a coaching company to allow people to go and get a little deeper knowledge and support handholding, and then the regional seminar. So we we continue to grow and say, how can we take this message to the next level? Today, what the sample of what we did is being emulated online. And when people hear about funnels, we'll just say, you know, write a book you have an online, you have a webinar, you have an online course, and then you have a regional seminar, and then you have coaching or mentoring, so it's, it's really the same thing, but we did it um, with boots on the ground back then, so.
2: Yeah, you were, you were really paving the path for all of us today, following in your footsteps, so just thank you and gratitude for opening that pathway of awareness for us all as well I really do appreciate it because that is the path that I that I'm on as a 26 year old so thank you very much for doing that work Um, it's truly phenomenal and just to be able to have that drive to to do something that people aren't doing at that time because I know for me I got introduced to Rich Dad Poor Dad because my mom gave me the audiobook and I would listen to it during my commute. At this time, I was a manager of a Verizon store and I had to take the ferry um, to go to work every day. And so my mom gave me this and I would listen to these audio tapes. I don't even know if it was the book or if it was the training, but it was from the Rich Dad Poor Dad collection. And I would listen to them every single morning um, on my drive. So I think that it's really powerful that you guys tapped into that market because there's so many people who would never have sat down and read the book. I w- I wasn't someone. I had barely finished high school. Like I wasn't someone who's was going to sit down and read a book. So having it available on that platform was absolutely amazing. Um, now just to uh, kind of carry on a little bit. So I, a lot of people they might feel like they can't achieve what it is that they're thinking, what it is that they desire, because maybe they feel like they're either they're born in the wrong circumstances, don't have the right resources. I know that you've overcome a lot of obstacles to be able to create this massive empire that you have created. I'd love to kind of touch on some of those those points, those little lower points. And what were the things that you did to keep moving forward?
0: Well, there's there are two that I will be specific about, one business and one very personal. And the business is when I made the decision to leave Rich Dad in 2007, um, Robert and I were no longer aligned on what we wanted to do. So it was no longer consistent with my personal mission. He wanted to go into franchising, which is a great model for us financially, but not one a good one for franchisees. And so I made the decision to leave it at the height of our success. And people say, I can't believe you were so crazy. I said, but no, I never looked back because I was be- I was standing in my own truth and I was being true to my own personal values. And sometimes you have to close one door for other doors to op- of opportunity to open. And had I not made that decision, I wouldn't have had the call from President Bush and served President Bush and President Obama on presidential advisory councils for financial literacy. And I wouldn't have gotten the phone call in March of 2008 from Don Green at the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And my work with the Napoleon Hill Foundation has been so rewarding and so exciting and such a wonderful relationship that uh, I I always share with people as I tell these stories. Sometimes you have to close a door in your life to make room for other doors of opportunity to open. And then um, eight years ago, on a personal side, um, I had height of my success, as I shared. I've been playing big with Disney's and Warner's books, all those kind of companies, my whole life. But eight years ago, I lost my youngest son, and you're not supposed to outlive your kids. And it really sent me into living in neutral or living in a state of numbness. I was still working, I was still writing, but I wasn't having, I wasn't allowing myself to. Play a bigger game. I wasn't allowing myself to smile or to enjoy life. I was punishing myself through grief. And um, about four years ago, I almost decided, you know, I should probably just retire. And I got a lot of pushback from family and friends. And I think I even heard my son whispering in my ear, "Get over it, mom. There's more for you to do." And my message to everybody watching and listening to this podcast is that. You may have had something that stopped you in your tracks. Most of us have. It could have been a death like me, or it could have been a divorce, a financial setback, or an illness. Um, but you're still here, and you're still here for a reason. And there's, uh, you have a message. And what you survived, you can share and help other people that are going through the same thing. And so I made that decision four years ago, and I launched a private Facebook group that's open to, for anybody to join called the Play Big Movement with Sharon Lecter. And that Facebook group was for me to share the things that I was doing to play big again so that other people could emulate it. Because the play big movement is about being number one in your field, living your legacy, because we create our legacy every single day with every heart we touch and creating maximum impact. If you're going to work, you might as well work and impact as many people as possible. And it was amazing to me because I knew what I needed to do, but I was just playing small because I was numb. And once I made that decision to play big again, it was like I took blinders off and too many people go through life with blinders on. The opportunities are there. You just don't recognize them because you have these limiting beliefs. And I want people to see the opportunities and start seizing them. And once I actually woke up, I said, I'm gonna get back in the game. I had incredible speaking opportunities. I was highlighted in the Think and Grow Rich Legacy movie. Early in 2020, I was one of the 13 people highlighted in the television series called World's Greatest Motivators all of that was just because I made myself open to the possibility and I believe in service and serving others. And I just want other people to understand you have a right and a responsibility to play a bigger game. If you're going to be working, let's work at a a level where you're going to impact as many people as possible.
2: Wow. That gave me chills. Like the allowing yourself i feel like a lot of times that's all that it truly is is us not allowing ourselves to live a bigger life It's something that i tell my clients all the time you don't actually need me as a coach you don't need me to tell you what to do you already know everything that you need to know or that you need to do you're just not taking the action and so often it's just because we're holding ourselves back and we're not allowing ourselves to move forward, whether that's because we're going through pain or grief or guilt or shame or any of the other emotions that we can feel be limiting us. But for you, it sounds like you just remembered why you are here and that your purpose is outside of just yourself. And I think for me, that's a big way that I can keep going every day. I mean, still have so much more to do and so much more to create in my lifetime, but. I just have to continue it. Like when I get out of bed, I just have to remind myself there's more people for me to help. I've been through the things I've been through in my life for a reason and I'm still here. So I completely resonate with everything that you were just saying. And then on the point that you mentioned before that, on the, on the ma- I call it the magic of creating space, right? So you have to be okay with releasing things in your life that are no longer going to serve you. And, and I'm saying no longer going to serve you, not necessarily are not good for you or are necessarily bad because they could be very good things, right? Just kind of like what you are talking about with your relationship. Like that was a positive, that was a good relationship, but it no longer served your mission. And when you make that energetic barrier and you put your focus, your desire onto even more you're even more clear with your purpose because when you cut off those other things it's showing yourself and the universe and whatever powers you may believe in that no this is what i'm serious about and things start to align and it's not even i don't even necessarily believe that it's that they're attracted fully into you. i believe exactly what you're saying they're already there you just don't see them until you can remove those limiting beliefs that are blocking your vision from seeing them. So I'm going to steal that blinders line from you. I think that's great. So well, I, think,
0: now- I think, you know, I, in my book, my first book with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Three Feet from Gold, I share a personal success equation and it encompasses a lot of what we're talking about here. And it's your passion and your talent. And most of us stop there. That's what we learned in school. That's our experience. You know, I was mad that we weren't teaching kids about money in school. That was my passion. It was actually anger. Plus my talent, years of an accounting degree and my publishing background. But in order to truly create success in your life, the next one is times A in association, the power of association, Mm -hmm. having the right mentor, having the right people on your team, having the right um, affiliations that are gonna help you get to the next level. Times A, taking action. Too many times we know what we're supposed to do, we just don't do it. (laughs) And then the final element is plus F, and that's for faith. Having faith in yourself. Having faith in what you're doing that it's needed and necessary. Having faith that you will succeed. When I start working with a client, it's usually power of association and faith that need the most work. And when you have the right associations around you, it builds your confidence and your faith. And people can go to personalsuccessequation.com for a free guide to help you identify your own personal success equation.
2: I love that. I love that. And a lot of times uh, in the manifestation space, which I'm pretty into, a lot of times it's actually the A, that's the, the action that's left out because we forget that, without action if you're using the law of attraction then the universe is just going to give you what you're already doing which is just sitting around and waiting right so you have to actually take the physical action so i want to kind of touch on that um how do you get through those days that those because we all have them. we all have those days where we don't want to show up we don't want to get out of bed how do you get through those days and keep taking the action
0: by having the right people around you that are there to kick you in the, in the you know what. And when you're having a bad day, they're there to keep your head above water, and it's very important. But again, um, you you talked earlier about uh, to-do lists and, and not to-do lists. You know, I think every, we all have, we're all multitasking. We all have lots of things, lots of to-dos. Most of us don't have a stop doing list, Mm -hmm. right? And when you're really focused on what you want to create and you have that definite purpose, you have that burning desire, some things have to go get set aside. They might be fun. It might be great to go out and have dinner with your friends one night. But if there's a big meeting for you the next day, Maybe you need to stay and focus on getting prepared for that. And that is dedication. That's that self-discipline that goes along with it. You mentioned outwitting the devil, you know, it talks about how to, that F instead of faith for a lot of people is fear
2: mm-hmm. and
0: fear usually paralyzes us. But for a few people, that fear turns into, it turns into excitement and energy. And that allows you to attach, you know, really give a little bit more energy towards attacking that task. And so it's important we talk about definiteness of purpose, mastery over self, right, understanding and learning from adversity, because mistakes happen, but then controlling your environment and controlling your time. And that's the importance of a stop doing list right are you focused on the outcome that you want or are you allowing yourself to get distracted by a lot of shiny object syndromes and that decision is purely you and so your actions that you take are your actions committed to the outcome that you want to see happen
2: yes oh and now that we're talking about outwitting the devil i just have to bring this up so what what is the real reason why that book didn't get published for so long because i know in the book he napoleon hill in the in the communication with the devil um they were talking about how oh don't worry i have other plans for this book not getting out and then it it wasn't out until 2011 so yeah it's goosebump
0: it's, it's material um when he wrote in 1938, he had just released *Thinking Grow Rich*, and he was he was frustrated because he said, "Here I am, I'm giving you the secret to success, and people will read it and not take the action; they will not do it." And so he sat down in a few short months, wrote this *Outwitting the Devil*, which was an interrogation of the devil. And he says, "You can believe it's the real devil or an imaginary devil—the you know the stinking thinking we have in our brain—but will you derive any benefit from it?" Well, the title scared his wife to death because she worked for the Presbyterian College. And so she said, "It's not to be published." And he honored that. He died in 1970. She didn't die until the 90s, and her sister died in um, you know earlier in early in the 2000s, I think mean, 2010-ish, and that's when the foundation um, actually received the manuscript. And they called me. Don Green said, "Shan, I have this thing. It's." I don't know what to do with it. And he sent it to me and it was typed on a manual typewriter, of course, 1938. And it had handwritten notes from Napoleon Hill on the margins. It was incredible. I ran away to San Diego where I do most of my writing, just sitting there, me in the ocean. And in just a few hours, it transformed my thinking about how much fear grips us. And I kind of thought it was perfect for the time in 2011 when we released it, but when 2020 hit, I said, nope, this book is for this year. Because if you go to page 61 in the book, it says, you know, he's interrogating the devil. And he says, at one time or another, I will bring men to their knees with the fear of poverty and the fear of death. And it's like, well, hello, welcome 2020. And let's add the fear of isolation to it. So it, it definitely gave me goosebumps all over again. But yeah, it's incredible. It's and you know what is a perfect book for your generation because it's a little in your face it's a little you know uh it's 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 kind of like yeah that's what's wrong with this world and it's um it's been great because it has reinvigorated the teachings of this hill of of hill's information to the younger generations
2: i couldn't agree more and since i've continued on my personal development journey i have gotten into reading now and i read all the time but i still found that this was such an easy read like it was it had such heavy information and a lot of times books like that like Thinking Grow Rich is a very dense read but this one I could just open it up and you know have my kid in the background and my puppy freaking out and still be able to like read for five minutes and digest something and get something out of it so if you guys haven't read that book you need to read it it blew my mind because I also read it this year as well so as much as everything related with 2020 and 2021 I was was just like this I can't believe that this book was it was written in uh 38 or 39 yeah 1938
0: so it's literally he was a man before his time it's amazing
2: yeah and you do so you have done a lot of work with Lots of really successful people as well. So, in your, in Sharon's opinion, what is the number one key to accomplishment?
0: Well, people ask me the definition of success all the time. And I go, you know, success to me is not the money in the bank account, success is truly how you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror. Hence your topic, you know, the being, loving, you know, happiness of just being yourself, who you are. And when you look in the mirror and you know that you have, and it's not because of your reflection, but it's how you feel about yourself. And you can stand confident that you've added value. When growing up, my dad would ask me every night, Sharon, have you added value to someone's life today? He's been gone for 15 years, but I still ask myself that every night. Have I added value to someone's life today? And wouldn't the world be a better place mm-hmm. if we all concentrated on adding value to others?
2: Yeah, wow. So one other thing I would love to bring up as well, just my for my audience, my generation, we are the social media age, right? And everyone gets so caught up in the vanity metrics of social media and influencers Yada yada, you already know where I'm going with this, right? So you're one of the biggest names in in the game, I believe. Like I'm a huge fan. Uh, I feel like you're part, if you're not at least not a household name, at least the principles that you have helped bring to the world bring a voice to you are definitely household principles. Um, but when I was uh, looking on your social media, I noticed that you have like 10,000 followers on Instagram but you're such a big, massive influencer in the world. So I just want to hear what your thoughts are about that. So I know a lot of people get caught up in their head that they don't have a million followers online, and they think that that has something to do with the level of success that they will create. So I want to hear what your thoughts are. Well,
0: that. social media is very important, and I and I am very active in it, but I have not I, I refuse to buy any followers. I refuse to have um, somebody in India give me hundreds of thousands of followers. I, you know, the, My followers are all very, very um, committed and, and, and support me in that. So that's something you know when you're around me that it's, there's, there's no hype is what you see is what you get and um instagram as a as a point of fact you asked me that is the latest thing that i actually got involved in and so we've been working on that and we've gone probably i think i'm close to twelve thousand followers now but you know it's it's all organic all people that i'm reaching through either broadcasts or through um, meetings and it's something that i think you know people that that truly want to reach it And the other issue, which I share with all my clients, because you can have a million Instagram followers, but Instagram can turn you off tomorrow and they're gone. And so I teach all of my clients, yes, you want to get out there as kind of lead gen to have all the social media, but you need to give them a reason to come to your database so that they're in your email, because then you have the opportunity to find them. All right. If Instagram goes away or Facebook goes away, they're gone. You want to give them a reason to connect with you and get into your database because that's your intellectual property. Then you own those names and that database adds value to your company. So it's really important to think about using that social media as a, as a lead gen and as a way to attract people, but to bring them home. And you bring them home by getting them into your
2: database. And what would you suggest for people who are maybe feeling like, Uh, Because I have clients come to me all the time who feel like because they don't have very many followers that it's not that their message isn't important what would you say to people who's maybe feeling that way Because I'm in the same boat I've built mine completely organically I don't even have 10,000 people so I I look at it as a tool um, and I've also worked with clients who have you know a million followers and they can't get them to buy anything right so there's there's two sides to that so how would you suggest people utilize their social media as a tool and, and stop themselves from getting caught up in the comparison trap?
0: Well, I think you have to have um, measurements, you have to have goals and measurements. And yeah, I'd love to have a million followers on Instagram, that'd be great, but I'm not <laughs> going to turn away what I'm doing for those people who want to learn from me now. So my primary focus are, you think of a bell curve, if you know what those are, the top 20% are your raving fans, the bottom 20% are people who don't like you very much. And the (laughs) 60% in the middle don't really know who you are. And so a lot of us concentrate on that 20% that don't like us. Mm. No, don't do that. All right. Is the bigger you get, the more haters you're going to have, but focus on the 20% who love you and turn them into raving fans and they will help convert the 60% in the middle. And when you have a million followers, that's fantastic. Give them a reason to engage, give them value and go give, 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 sell, right? Give, 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 ask, making sure you're pouring into them in a way, and all these algorithms that Facebook has, and Instagram, they, they really handcuffed you in being able to access all those followers, and that's why it's so important to give them reasons to connect with you in your website, on a database, where you have the ability to push something to them specifically, when you know what they're interested in. Okay, now, now moving on
2: to another topic, this is my last question, and then I'll, I'll let you Slide on out of here. Um, what is one thing that you must do every single day? Like well, there's a lot of
0: things I do everything, every, th- every single <laughs> day. Um I, when I I lost, I'll, I'll I'll mention two of them. When my son died, somebody sent me a book, called, a little book called The Prayer of Jabez, and it's actually a prayer in the Bible. And every single day, before I do this broadcast, before I do anything, I say the prayer of Jabez. It's a little four-line prayer. And it basically says, you know, dear God, please bless me indeed, right? Enlarge my territory, meaning allow me to reach more people than I could possibly imagine. Let your hand be with me. So deliver your message to me so that what I say is what you want me to say, that I may not cause harm or be harmed. So that i'm out there doing good and adding value and so that's something that is a driving force for me every single day every single event every single interview and then the other thing i do every single day it used to be many years ago um, it was two 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 faxes two handwritten notes and two phone calls right and of course no fax machines anymore mm-hmm. and today so it's a five two rule i go two on facebook to instagram (laughs) now it's clubhouse to come in there you know two handwritten notes still and two phone calls still every single day i do that before i close off for the evening for the purpose of driving my business forward because sometimes we get too geared into what's going on right now that we forget to continue putting our foot on the accelerator so before i close out i do something that's moving my business forward
2: Well, I love that too, that you keep it, you keep it too. Like it's not, I have to send 300 messages or something, you know, you keep it something that's obtainable and that you can do every day and you're just continuing to make those personal connections steadily each and every day. Um, I I I do have a follow up question. with social media, because when you were building, social media wasn't really a thing. So these days, I know a lot, it can be very overwhelming with social media, like feeling the need to keep up with the rat race and keep up with all of these social platforms. Um, so for people who are trying to figure out where they fit, like, do you feel like people need to post every single day? What are, you, what are your feelings with showing up in that way?
0: It depends on what your profession is and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, You know, I don't think I'm interested in seeing what people had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, (laughs) but some people, you know, feel like they have to do that, or they have to show that they shaved their legs today. I mean, it's crazy. And so if you're using it for business purposes, then you need to have a plan. And that plan can be daily posts. It could be posts twice a day. It could be weekly posts the biggest thing from a standpoint of your plan on posting is not the posting it's the engagement. So are you in getting your audience to engage with you? And that's something I actually, I went out and hired people your age because they know how to do it to help me get a better position online from a social media perspective. And so you have the opportunity, but you need to make sure that they're representing your voice and the bigger issue um, for your age, is in my, I'll put on my mother or grandmother hat, is you've got to be consistent and um, authentic. You can't be, you know, talking one thing in Instagram and then showing something that's not congruent with who you are on your, on your Facebook, because you'll be found out. You know, you got Twitter, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, and the messaging is slightly different. But you want to have, you want to represent who you are and your brand, and you need to be congruent and consistent with your messaging. But it, your plan needs to determine what your ultimate goal is and how you accomplish that. So when we're doing things like I have events, um, a, a publishing retreat. Um, at the end of February, I have something else the first week of March, I have something else in the end of March. So we now are strategizing as to, you know, when we can promote what event so that we're not like beating people over the head about it. And so you have to have a plan, you have to have a strategy on how you're going to fill your folks up with information and be able to get them to support you. If you're just there to be a celebrity and to, you know, talk to the tribe, that's fine. But if you're if your goal is to build your business, you need to have that plan as to how it's going to get you to where you want to be.
2: Well, and that goes along with just the definiteness of purpose, right? Like that having a plan, like what are you using this for? Because otherwise it can go right along with another outwitting the devil topic and cause people to drift and get caught up in all of the comparison traps and the just scrolling for 10 hours a day, right? So well that's happening
0: today with this new platform
2: Clubhouse. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know,
0: I see people on it for 24 hours straight and I go oh my gosh, you know, it's a great platform. It's an amazing networking tool. Um, I've been so pleased, you know, but I I don't get on it. I may be on it one hour every two or three days, but it's huge. It's wonderful. It's a great way to connect with the audience. And what's lovely is, you know, you send out a message on Facebook. You may have 10,000 or 10,000 people on Facebook, but you don't know how many people are actually going to see it. Not very many because of the algorithms, but you go into a a clubhouse room and there's a thousand people in that room and you have an opportunity to speak. They're all hearing you. And so, The effectiveness of it is great if you make sure you have your messaging right. And so, but some people have become addicted to Clubhouse and and I I worry about it a little bit.
2: Yeah, me too. I, as a recovering addict myself, I have to be mindful of where those tendencies come out. And I do say my first two weeks on Clubhouse were a bit dangerous. (laughs) I was a little too sucked in with the FOMO um thank you so much sharon for taking time out of your day to come and speak with me i know i received so much value from you i'm sure that my audience did as well i know you have some really exciting things in the works right now coming up so if you could please share
0: how i'm very excited over my shoulder you see my new book exit rich it's um been picked up by Inc Magazine to be published under their imprint. And it's about, you know, so many people own a job, not a business. And I want to help all of you create that economic engine that stands beside you, that is not dependent on you. Something that allows you to create financial independence in your life. And it's understanding how to build the structure of your business. So you can take your successful business, make it scalable, sustainable, And saleable, if you choose to. Too many people have spent years building a business, but they're so much the business themselves, they can't sell it. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure you create it so that you can sell it when you choose to, or you can set it up for generational wealth to leave to your kids and, and for future generations of your family. And there's not a lot of resources out there. You know, Steve Forbes said it's a goldmine for entrepreneurs. We take you through the process of how you can build value in your business, increase the price, increase the value, increase the opportunity for sale, and maximize the profits from selling your business. And so, um, as I said, it's available in April from Amazon. But I like to disrupt things, as you mentioned during this conversation So I have it available to anybody right now. You can get it electronically and then we will actually send you the copy of the book. If you go to exitrichbook.com forward slash buy, exitrichbook.com forward slash buy, and you actually get it cheaper than it will be on Amazon when it's released and we include the shipping because I want to make sure the information gets to people as soon as possible. And I can guarantee you one tip in the book is going to give you 10X, 100X, 1000X return.
2: Yeah, you guys, I would take Sharon up on that offer. I'm going to go get my copy right now. I am will put the link in the description down below. Go grab your copy. She is just an amazing wealth of knowledge. And just what she said, I'm always going throughout my day looking for the one thing. Every book I read, every interview I do, like, what is the one thing, the one thing that I can pick up that I can carry throughout my, my day, throughout my life? So go get a book, pick out the one thing, take a screenshot of this episode, tag us, tell, tell Sharon what to learn. Um, thank you again, Sharon, for hopping in.
0: Well, and I really do appreciate you having me as your guest and invite everybody to find me on, on Instagram. It's Sharon Lecter on Instagram, LinkedIn, my author Sharon Lecter Facebook page and, um, and in Clubhouse, Sharon Lecter. So <laughs> connect with me and I can't wait to see all of you.
1: Thank you for tuning into today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to leave us a review and share this episode with someone who needs to hear this message. That's how our podcast grows. Are you curious about learning more about harnessing the power of your subconscious mind? Then join the free Rewire Challenge, where we dive deep into the subconscious mind how it works, and give you some tangible action steps to begin rewiring it to serve you. Go to bit.ly/slash rewire challenge. That's bit.ly/slash rewire challenge. Until next time, I'm your host,
2: Jamila Burney, signing out.